not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox and four parts without commercial interruption. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading the charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from the Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on the point from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still life of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow, because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. Hello, and welcome to Provocative Thoughts intimately known as PT, striving to awaken those who are asleep, stimulate those who are awakened, feed those who are starving, and nurture those who seek to know. I am your host, Carlton Steed, a self-proclaimed student of life in the search, discovery, and revelation of life on life's terms. First, I'd like to thank Queen Mother for Real Media for allowing me to host this show. I'd also like to thank the creator for allowing me to be. You can contact the show by dialing 347-989-0180. Please press the number 1 to speak. Again, you can contact the show by dialing 347-989-0180. Please press the number 1 to to speak. You can reach us on the internet at www.baldtalkradio.com backslash Queen Mother for Real and listen to the show live any day or after Saturdays also. You can also contact us on Facebook at Provocative PT Community Organization. Tonight's topic, again, Blacks Killing Blacks too. The statistics say the number one cause of death of the black man in the United States is the black man. The homicide rate is disproportionate and epidemic. Murder appears to be as fashionable as the latest pair of sneakers. Why the debased attitude about life, about taking a life for some and not for others? 
if its roots are anchored in systemic oppression, slavery, racism, capitalism, ethnocentrism, white supremacy, cultural indoctrination, misinformation, etc. How do we prevent this tree from bearing fruit? A quote from the poet Noor. It's been from birth we are destined to die on the road to death from our first till our last cry. Life is a twisted maze of fate and we wonder why we can't figure it out. Do wise men know what they're talking about? Seems life's a meaningless task that's got us pissed. I know we all got to go sometime, but not like this. The constant lack of resources, natural, economic, social, educational, etc., hopelessness, and the debasing and erosion of moral and ethical standards, including the moral, ethical standards of those that facilitate oppressive conditions and state of mind, appear to have a deadly negative impact on the individual, relationship, family, and community. After all, they are not natural-born killers. The statistics said 324,000 U.S. blacks were killed by blacks in only a 35-year period, ended in 2014. Roughly 7,000 blacks are killed yearly by other blacks. 3,445 blacks were reported lynched from 1882 to 1964. Now, we know that number is probably a little higher than that. But this is reported lynch. 3,075 black fatalities were in the uh, Korean War. 5,098 blacks died in the Vietnam War. That's a period uh, from maybe... 12 to 14 years of combat, like the Korean War. And again, like roughly, we had 7,000 blacks killed yearly. That's a tragedy. Mayor Rudolph Giuliani pointed out, Georgetown University professor Michael Eric Dyson uh, quoted the statistic. That in 2010, the Bureau of Justice statistics reports 93% of black homicide victims from 1980 through 2008 were killed by black offenders. Note the correlation with the crack cocaine area. According to the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, by the late 70s, there was a huge amount of cocaine powder being shipped into the United States. The big surge came between 1984 and 1990. In 1995, the number of people who admitted using cocaine on a routine basis increased from 4.2 million to 5.8 million. Also have a correlation with the gun makers. 1980, the American gun companies manufactured 5.6 5.6 million firearms. In 1981, the Glock, the first pistol with a plastic receiver, is introduced. After fears decide about how it could be undetected by the X-ray machine, it became one of the hottest 
handguns for police officers and civilians. In another study, the agency, the Bureau of Justice Statistics reported that blacks were the victims of 7,999 homicides in 2005. It corroborated Giuliani's claim that 93% of blacks were killed by other blacks or about 7,440 murders in that year alone. The American War Library stated 5,095 blacks died in Vietnam, as it just previously stated. In 2007, Philadelphia had the highest homicide rate for African Americans among the nation's biggest cities. And the place where the risk of being killed is especially high for blacks under age 18. It filled up in 2007. That's a hell of a statistic for the age group for blacks under the age of 18. Pretty young. Nationally, the murder rate for African Americans is more than three times the average. 19 black murder victims per 100,000 people versus five for the general population. That's almost or about four times the national rate. In Pennsylvania, the disparity for disparity for the black homicide rate is even more pronounced. It's thirty per one hundred thousand or six times the national average, according to a study released by the Violence Policy Center, DPC, a gun control research group in Washington. Philadelphia follows the pattern the vast majority of black murders in the city, three and four, are from gunfire, according to police. So the police data revealed that in the first half of 2011, first half of 2011, an astonishing 84% of homicide victims were black, as were virtually all of the killers. In 2010, 79.1% of murder victims were black. From 2007 to 2010, about 79% of the murder victims in Philadelphia were black. However, blacks only account for about 43% of the city's population as of 2010. Between 2007 and 2010, 91.3% of the murder victims under the age of 18 in Philadelphia were black, almost all of whom were male. Almost all those who killed them were also young black men. So in Philadelphia, we could have an epidemic of people killing each other under the age of 18. These guys not even making it to 24 and 30, a lot of people. According, according to the data from his own department, Philadelphia has the highest murder rate in the nation's 10 largest cities. By a wide margin. In 2011, on a per capita basis, Philadelphia recorded 20.7 homicides per 100 inhabitants. The bloodiest city, the next bloody city, Chicago, came in at 15.7, followed by Dallas at 10.9. In contrast, the murder rate for New York City 
was 6.1 and 7.8 for Los Angeles. Local media in Philadelphia reported that 324 people were murdered so far that year, up to 306 in 2010 and 302 the year before. In 2009, 2010, 2011, over 300 people were murdered yearly. The peak of the murders were in 1990, where it was 500 uh, for the year. So the police like to point out that there were smaller cities that had higher murder rates. They, they pointed out that uh, Detroit had New Orleans and St. Louis, who had higher murder rate rates per capita in Philadelphia. They're, but they're smaller. They're not in the top ten. Approach to solution. He has uh, suggestions of what we could do to solve this problem. Ruth Crawley, a prominent black businessman, slavery at this time, at this late time, is no longer an acceptable excuse. Um, last week we spoke about post-traumatic uh, uh, slavery syndrome and how that impacted on African Americans. Up, up until this point, also we spoke about how the the effects of that could be genetic and handed down genetically to African Americans through actually they said the the Jewish communities from the Holocaust, the Jewish Holocaust. So therefore, it applies to the African American community that participated in the uh, African uh, European African slave trade also. However, Mr. Jamira Berlin, an activist, said she blames the violence in her hometown to racism and economic disadvantage. Basically saying that the black man is getting the short end of the stick. He's not able to thrive, as we talked about, we spoke about that last week, um, tell you to thrive in, a, in an economic matrix, social matrix, causes a lot of problems, a lot of anger, and people will find a way to do what it is they need to do, especially if somebody drops uh, a shitload of cocaine and guns in their community. Because as the, uh, in the movie, Straight Out of Compton, the brothers pointed out that we don't, we don't make cocaine and we don't make guns. We don't have the field for that. We don't grow it, and we don't manufacture guns. But there's a lot of both in our community. So it got there some kind of way. There's until we, as a society, as everybody, are truly ready to have a serious discussion about the state of black youth and the uneven distribution of resources, we will continue to see an alarming number of young people lose their life to the barrel of a gun get pushed out or passed through the education system, going to sleep hungry or being forced to call prison home. And I don't know if anybody has ever con- have been in contact with a person who considers prison as a place where they, you know, dwell. You know, that's where I go to rest. 
fix my break in prison, you know, and get comfortable with that situation, you know, that's not the type of mentality we want because we, we can't be productive if we stay in prison and we keep doing things that take us back to prison. It's hard for us to utilize that energy out in the community if you're behind bars somewhere and we can't trust you. Like everyone else, black youth need love, mentorship, quality education, safe environment, access to healthy foods, and accessibility to resources and opportunities. This is to counteract the failure to thrive syndrome, which I call failure to thrive. That's my term, failure to thrive syndrome. We need to, uh, she said we need to counteract that. We need to help black youth thrive in a positive way. We have to create a world where there is equal opportunities for everyone, which is very difficult, and especially in the capitalist system. It's very, the, the word equal is, you know, have capitalism and everybody be equal. Who's going to be on top? Who's going to be on the bottom? So, but I understand the system's thing. We need to create opportunities for everyone, we need, and we need to have a standard of, of life for everyone that we're willing to assist everyone at getting to, having. If we fail to do that, she says the poor black kid will forever be defined by his or her race or zip code. Programs for teens that teach skills for conflict resolution have been effective. And programs that focus on family cohesion and proper supervision. So it came, uh, say in the 80s, drugs came. We saw drugs have always been here in the form of alcohol. Uh, a lot of people like to skip that as a drug, but that's a drug. Alcohol, heroin, methamphetamine, and cocaine, and crack, that's crack cocaine. These uh, crack cocaine are prepared to finish breaking the family down because with the, the female was in the home more before before the crack cocaine ever. When the crack cocaine hit, that knocked the female out of the home, out of a lot of homes. She was there, but the home was, was struggling. The house was broken, and children struggled because the parents were struggling with, the drug, with their addiction. So he said his kids need proper supervision. So kids learn their parents. They should learn from their parents. Traditionally, you have a child, parent, parent, Teach the child how to live. They teach them, uh, give them an idea of what's right and what's wrong, what's best to do, and guide them through life. If your parents want drugs, that's a very difficult thing to do because they have their, they're dealing, they're struggling with their addiction. And at some point, that parent may leave the home, and children have to be removed from the home. So. Home is very, very important, and apparently the home has been broken down through this onslaught of drugs in the community in order to create this territorial thing in the community where in order for me to make my money, I have to protect a certain area of commerce. That means that you can't sell drugs and certain area because I'm selling drugs there because it's taking money out of my pocket. If I happen to be feeding my kids food out of my children's mouth and, you know, the rest is pulled off their back, stuff like that. 
even if it's just for selfish reasons, it's going to cause conflict in the community because now someone's going to try to control the drugs in the community. Now, in order to do that, you are going to need a, you're going to need a gun. I've never seen drugs in a community controlled by people just talking because there's too much money involved for somebody to just say to you, hey, you can't sell drugs in this four-block, square-block area. This is my area. Nobody's going to stop just because you did so. It's too lucrative of a business. So, therefore, comes the gun flat. Once the gunplay starts, everybody's going to defend themselves with a gun. It doesn't make sense to bring a knife to a gunfight. So we had this impulsive guns with the drugs, and here we have a community that's filled with violence. Once the gunplay starts, we have all kinds of violence coming on. You have people getting shot, murdered for different reasons. Dullness, mighty curve. Not giving up the money, missing people, walk, yeah, the whole shit, the whole nine yards. So now we have this chaotic community that we live in. And not everyone is involved in drug trafficking, shootouts, murders, and things like that. But that impacts on the community. Also, we have another part of the community that thinks that it's okay to rob people and murder them. You know, a long time ago, I think we spoke about this uh, last last week, that a, rob, a stick-up could be just what it is, a stick-up. Nobody died from a stick-up, for the most part. The guy with the gun was never intended to uh, murder you. If he got what he wanted, he was off to the races, whatever he's going to do with that money. Now we have a group of people that call the pizza man and kill him. You kill a man, the pizza man, call the cat, kill him. Shoot him in the back of the head. Doesn't make sense. So we have another phenomenon which involves violence. It's almost faddish. It's almost like it's in to murder people. It's not even about protection or anything. It's about something to, to say that you've taken a life. Maybe these people, these individuals, find a sense of power since they're, they're unable to thrive in their life at some point. Maybe they find a sense of power in taking a life because life is one of the most powerful things that we can have. Nobody that I know can create life. But unfortunately, we have the power to take it away. So maybe they seek power, recognition, favor, and as to them, it's an esteemed position to say that I'll kill you. you know, maybe they want to be feared, so therefore to become a killer is to become feared in the community. Chicago, 75% of the murders are black. 71 of the murderers are black. Same thing. This thing is repeating itself. The same scenario throughout the larger cities and, and smaller cities of America. 2011, Chicago police said there were 433 homicides. The 2010 census number said only 
3% of Chicago population was classified as black. There were more offenders than victims in 2011. 10.7% of the homicides had two offenders, and 10% had three or more offenders convicted. That's why there's more offenders. You have more offenders because you have multiple persons the problem in Philadelphia to committing the act. Multiple shooters, multiple uh, combatants, or whatever the situation was. This, uh, we have a an anchor from CNN says one thing that black people can do about this situation. The number one on his list, he thinks the problem is probably the most important, he said, is having to do with out of wedlock first. He says just because you can have a baby doesn't mean you should. Lemon, his name is uh, Don Lemon, a black CNN anchor, especially without planning for one or getting married first. More than 72% of children in America, African-American community, are born out of wedlock. That means the absent fathers. He feels that the studies show that lack of a male role model is an express train right to prison, and the cycle continues. I'm going to add on to that lack of a positive male role model is an express train right to prison because you can have a role model that's negative. And I'm not saying black role models or black men are negative role models, but you need a positive role model in the home and outside of the home and in the media because if you glamorize murdering, corruption, and things like that, what happens is people tend to have a that develop the same type of ideology about glamorizing it. So it's cool to be that way, you know, because in, in a community, sometimes the respect you get from being that person who will hurt people, that alone makes you feel like somebody, you know, or I'll hurt somebody. You see that with the gangs, doing the gang, all of a sudden you're untouchable in the community for the most part. Nobody in the community messes with you because they don't want to deal with that gang, that gang uh, reinforcement that you had, whether it be one or two or the whole gang, the whole crew, we don't know. You know, so you're, you're a guy who has a potential to be violent. You tend to get a lot of respect in the hood. I don't see too many guys as, uh, like the uh, smart guys getting a lot of respect on the street. As a matter of fact, they might be in jeopardy if they don't know. The guys that uh, the more violent you are, the appears to be the more respect you get on the street. Not to say that people don't respect people on the street, but in terms of the people who are interacting in those circles, in those environments, the more violent you are, the more respect you get. You can see that in, in with a lot of things, with the, uh, any type of uh, criminal organization, because in order to keep, maintain, perpetuate that organization, at the end of the day, all the talking and, you know, trying to foster people up, buying 
this person and paying people off, at the end of the day, it's going to it's going to result in violence if those methods fail. So, back to Chicago. Seven people were killed with, and as of July 18, 2016, seven people were killed, and at least 52, this is a weekend, were wounded in shootings across Chicago between Friday evening and Monday morning, according to Chicago police. That's 52 wounded and seven people killed. That's a weekend in Chicago. January 1st, 2016, there were 2,703 shooting victims. January 1st, 2015, there were 2,988 shooting victims. We talk about the homicides, but these assaults are potential homicides. These are, these are victims who survived the homicide attempt. That's a lot of people. Just imagine if those bullets hit somewhere where that person could be, you know, would die. The homicide rate would be even more. Imagine if the emergency room technicians, doctors, were as skilled as they were. That homicide rate would increase. It says that 83.4% of deaths were from shooting. 6.7% stabbing and 6.5% assault. Of the 362 firearm homicides, 351, 97% were from handguns. 77% of all homicide victims had a prior arrest history. The uh, CNN anchor was speaking about These kids going to the system and back and forth to the criminal justice system. So you see, we see the recidivism with crime, homicide is a crime. You see the recidivism, recidivism rate impact on the homicide rate. Victims were 90% male. So why are the question is why are these black males killing each other at such an alarming rate? Two thousand ten census numbers again in Chicago. Only thirty three percent of the population is classified as black. There were more offenders than victims because ten point seven percent of the homicides had two offenders and ten percent had three or more. In Philadelphia, I think two weeks ago the young man was eighteen year old was gunned down by three black males. 80% of all offenders had a prior arrest history. Offenders were 80%, 88% male. Let me go again. So the theme is black males are, it sounds like it's saying that black males are dangerous. You know, even though the percentage of people committing these crimes do not represent the percentage of, of people of the population. That's not to say that all black males are, are people who are committing these crimes. A person is not familiar with the community. They come to the community 
and say they get hit with this kind of uh, data or this gossip about it. The black guys this, the black guys this, they this, they do a lot of shooting. Well, how do you think they're going to feel about coming out of community? If you on your way to school, your kids on his way to school, on his way to the basketball court, just hanging out because everybody hangs out on the street corner. It's not, everybody on the street corner is not a drug dealer with the uh, at the community. Everybody does not hang out at the playground. There's not enough room down there for everybody to hang out. Everybody's there, too. The drug dealer, people in the community, everybody's mixed in together. Everybody knows everybody. So how does one view the community, the black community, when they see black guys standing on a corner, standing in the playground? Like how do they, how do, what do they think? What is it? The disinformation, and you see a lot of, police shootings of black uh, people. So the question is, do police, uh, I'm sure that if I can get these statistics, I'm sure police officers probably have even more statistics. Some of of these statistics come from the police department. So are they putting on their uniform and in the back of their mind, are they seeing young black men as the enemy? Do black men see black men as their enemy and therefore are quick going to battle against their enemy? Do we do we see each other as the enemy of the other? Do we view each other as deadly? That the view that we have of each other, maybe we do. Maybe that's part of the reason why we have so much gunplay in the community. You know, we have guns, which we're not responsible for bringing it into the community, but we use them. Guns don't kill people, people do. So, at the point, at which point do we say we're not gonna kill another person? Because people are getting being murdered for less than nothing. You know, at what point do we stop the violence? Do we reduce the violence? Do we start, even in the criminal arena, at what point can you get these guys to say, hey, let's cut down on the the homicide, the the murder, the shooting, because it's not enough just to cut down on killing somebody. You have to cut down on these thoughts. So... We have to find a way to cut down, in my opinion, on the assault because the assault leads to homicide. You first you assault and you either die from the assault or you live. And what happens is, as we all know, people come back. The ones that live come back. The ones that die, somebody else comes back. And then this whole cycle just continues. It gets bigger and bigger. You shoot one, you shoot two. You kill one, you shoot two. Three people you shot. And each one of those persons may have somebody who's going to come seek you out or more than one person. We don't know. But that's how this thing just mushrooms. Because once that gunplay starts, everybody's going to run for a gun. You're not going to try to talk to a person who's shooting. So how do we get people to say, you know, let's not kill each other. Let's not assault each other. Because the assault as I pointed out, are more than a homicide. Those are the people, if you want to look at it, if you can look at it this way, 
thought represented people who did not die as a result of a homicide attempt. So we need to find another way to deal with our problems. We also need to deal with the sense of powerlessness in the community because once our sense of powerlessness becomes a reality for some people who feel I cannot do anything but what I'm doing. And what he's doing or she is doing is something that's putting her in jeopardy at risk, putting other people in the community at jeopardy at risk. What? How can we as a community, as a people, help each other and kind of lessen the, uh, the burden of unemployment, low self-esteem, anger and frustration due to the oppression. How do we help people like that? And what do we do? There were more offenders and victims in Chicago, and we talked about that. So, and here's the statistics. Each year, roughly 7,000 blacks are murdered. 90% of the time murdered by another black person. That is sad. That's more people, more people than died in the Vietnam War. And we should be very alarmed about this. We should be very upset about it. And I've seen a couple of groups, you know, I thought also I've seen a group of people that had these T-shirts on these crosses, people who've been murdered. I see these uh, vigils on the corner where people may have been murdered. They had the teddy bears and the candles and things like that, you know. And which is good. But what can we do to prevent having to have a corner with candles, teddy bears, uh, adding another T-shirt to a cross? How can we help kill ourselves? How can the black community help kill itself? Because if you talk about employment, you're talking about black ownership of some industry. Or you're talking about someone who has ownership of an industry who's willing to hire a hell of a lot of black people. How can we in the community help each other out of this rut? How can we nip this weed? So, it says in 2016, 123 blacks were killed by U.S. police, a total of 509 people were killed. 254 blacks were killed by other blacks in Chicago alone. 254 killed by blacks in Chicago. This is, you know, a Masonic Jewish banker, George Soros, Soros gave $825 million to liberal cause such as those funding protests. is also responsible for funding migrant invasion of Europe. Uh, Black Lives Matter is a classic. Cohen tell pro-black operation, his brother said. He said that uh, basically he wants to 
take the attention off of this massive murdering of, of black on um, black uh, people in this country and just focus on the uh, police killing of black. I think that going to tell folks is, is the government agenda to uh, undermine, uh, in this case, uh, black black people. This is for people who don't know what Cohen Pro is. So it's basically saying that the government is plotting against you, 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 your group of people, or your organization. So says that uh, oh, so that uh, the whole Black Lives Matter a wash. I I think that Black Lives do matter, and that the uh, police department. People who we trust with guns should be held accountable for anybody's life that they take unjustly. So, and he, what he said was he was thinking that why isn't it any anybody making a big stink about black on black crime? He felt that the big stink was about Black Lives Matter, which. He, his interpretation of Black Lives Matter is only relevant to police killing. Black lives do matter, whether it's a police officer murdering you unjustly, whether it's a, another black man murdering you unjustly, in self-defense, whatever led to that situation. Our lives matter. Everybody's lives matter. Black lives matter does not mean anybody else's lives doesn't matter. It means it's a, it indicates and, brought, and brings attention to proportionate amount of black people who are being murdered by the police department. And, but I get his point about the black-on-black uh, crime uh, issue also. But I don't think it undermines that. I think that the, the black community is concerned about blacks killing blacks. I think the police department is concerned about that, and to some extent, that they have to deal with the uh, homicides and the gunplay out on the street. According to the Bureau of Justice, between 1976 and 2011, there were, again, uh, this is a little different, 2079, 384 black murder victims using 90%. Figure means that 2062. 621 were murdered by other blacks. That's a lot of folks. There are more blacks. So more blacks are, so blacks are 32% of the nation's population. They account for more than 50% of the homicide victims. So that's, that's the disproportionate. Not that it's just, I mean, it sounds crazy even speaking of it in terms of, of proportion, but it's, it, you know, but that's the way it is, it's, you know. Thirty percent of the population equals fifty percent of the homicide victim. That's a that's basically self genocide by other black people. And if you look at the big picture, we have things that facilitate the condition. And there are things that we need to do on a long, on an individual level, as friends, brothers, sisters, wives, as Representatives in the community, 
as whatever social organization you belong to, whatever professional organization you belong to, there are things that we need to do to help alleviate this, this, this situation. Surely we're not going to stop people from killing each other. We've been killing each other. If you want to look at it in a biblical sense, uh, Cain killed Abel. Murder has been something that happened since we were able to do it. But the murder rate is such a disproportionate uh, rate for the black, being black on black. And the fact that you can follow it. All the big cities have the same thing happening. The same type of thing is happening to the community. So what can we do about it? Nationally, the black homicide victimization rate is six times that of white. And in some cities, it's 22 times that of white. That's a lot of black folks dying. Coupled with being the most, being most of the nation's homicide victims, blacks are most of the victims' violent personal crimes, such as assault and robbery. Assault and robbery, like I'm saying, you don't see rich people running down the street assaulting people trying to take their money at the end of the day. You don't, you don't see that. So these people who are assaulting people on the street and robbing them, you take that avenue because they feel they have no other avenue to go. This is, or this is an avenue that they can take. It's a choice. You know, we're not, but I'm not saying nobody forced them, but it's their condition in which they live in. And once you start robbing somebody, you rob somebody once and you get away with it, and you need money and you don't have a job, you're going to rob somebody again. You can do it two times. You need money you don't have a job, you're going to do it again. It makes it easier. The more you do a thing, the easier it becomes to do so. Once you rob somebody, it's going on. According to a Tuskegee study between 18... 82 and 1968, 3,446 blacks were lynched at the hands of whites. That's not, we be killing seven, approximately 7,000 a year of, of, uh, of each other. It says, he says, it's a tragic commentary to be able to say that young black males have a greater chance of reaching maturity on the battlefields of Iraq and Afghanistan than on the streets of Philadelphia, Chicago, Detroit, Oakland, Newark, and other cities. A much larger issue is how might we interrupt the, the deafening silence about the day-to-day murder in black communities compared to the national uproar of killing of Trayvon Martin. Uh, this, is, this, this brother here is uh, Walter Williams, a professor of economics at George Mason University. Not that Trayvon Martin's death is not a tragedy. That's something that needs to be uh, not forgotten is that there are a few civil rights leaders with a different vision. When President Barack Obama commented about the Martin case, T. Willard Fair, president of the Urban League of Greater Miami, told the 
daily calling that the outrage should be about us killing each other, about black, <clears throat> excuse me, on black crime. Yes, reports. 41 people shot in Chicago between Friday morning and Monday morning would be a much more newsworthy and deserve much more outrage. My comment to that is that no, to stop. I, I said no, stop the comparison. Both are newsworthy. One does not negate the seriousness of the other. See, but who reports the news is controlled by the, the news. Who reports the news is controlled by the, the news, whoever controls the news. We, uh, we don't control that. So if the news, if Channel 10 does not want to say anything about the epidemic of black and black crime, it won't get reported. But that doesn't stop us as a community from having these, from talking about that and trying to do something about that. So I don't want to shoot down anybody's organization is protesting Trayvon police killing blacks is as, as important and as serious as blacks killing blacks. You know, because uh, police officers, you trust that they won't kill you, you know, on the street. We know we don't have that kind of thing about people on the street. We don't trust that a guy with a gun is not going to kill us. Once he has a gun and you see that gun on him, it's just, it's just automatic. Somebody's going to get shot, either by accident or on purpose or both. But a police officer, you, you, he's supposed to be trained, and he's supposed to take precautions and not to use deadly force based on his training and based on what you're doing. Like, if you see my hands, you shouldn't shoot me because I didn't do something that you said. But that's another story. Former NAACP leader, Pastor C.L. Bryant, said the rallies organized by Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson suggest there is an epidemic of white men killing black young men, adding the epidemic is truly black on black crime. The greatest danger to the lives of young black men are young black men. We know that. And hopefully uh, we have people listening tonight that, that if you didn't know that black on black homicide, murder, isn't at epidemic proportion in this country and we need to do something about it for you parents uh, raise your children in a, in, a certain, in, a, in a way with the knowledge that violence is not our first choice you know the problem is that when you raise a child in a violent community and he learns that violence sometimes is your immediate choice because when it happens, it goes down, it's going down, and nobody's asking you, uh, are you ready? So we have this quagmire that we're in. You know, we have this problem of being in a, in a hostile environment, whether we created ourselves, whether we, whether we had the help of people from guns, Makers, the cocaine dealers, politicians, uh, organized crime, individuals who want to flood our community with these things, whatever the case, what we need to do is start reversing this, and we need to start 
building the self-esteem of our of our people. Our self-esteem cannot be based on how violent we are. Not only is the silence about black, not only is it silence about black on black crime and concealment about racist attacks on whites, for example, the recent attacks of two Virginia pilot newspaper reports set upon and beaten by a mob of young blacks. The story wasn't even covered by their own newspaper. That's an issue to take up with the newspaper. You know, that's not black folks not making an issue of it. There's certain news coverage, people want to present certain people in certain lights. They want to choose their the issues that they want to expose to the public. Now, is the are the news the media the news media trying to cover or conceal the, the epidemic of black on black crime? I don't know. But if they're not, if they're not, if no one chooses to write anything about it or present it through the news. There's nothing stopping us from presenting it through different media uh, ways that we have to do it through the media. We can present our own problem to our own people. We don't have to depend. We don't have to depend on the media. We have uh, all kinds of things, resources nowadays that we can do it through. So we don't want to. We don't want to depend on the media, Kenny. Kenny? Okay. Let's go ahead. Uh, I know we have some callers trying to get through. I'm sorry. If callers, if you can't get through, I don't know why. I'm getting a couple of messages from some callers that are trying to get through on the show. Um, hopefully, uh, Kenny can get you through. We have uh, probably four minutes left. And then his brother keeps, you know, this brother goes on about how black people are attacks on white people and black mobs roam the streets in Denver, Chicago, and, you know, unprovoked attacks. Unprovoked attacks on whites and running off with their belongings. Those are, um, what they call that, flash mob? You know. He feels that the president is playing to, uh, is appealing to the people, playing on their emotions and prejudice rather than their rational side by uh putting the you know, these uh from the president on down. It's not in uh it's not in our nation's best interest. Plus it's dangerous. He's saying that they're supporting this, you know, Black Lives Matter uh issue that's playing with that's playing on he called it a, a racial demography of you know, it's an appeal to people that plays on their emotions and prejudices. So I don't think we're uh, black folks are being prejudiced when they uh, recognize that a police officer doesn't have to be white. It just has to be a police officer gunning down a, a, a an individual, especially in disproportionately black individuals. So I understand this guy's argument, but we're not going to take away from any one of these movements, not the... Uh, Black Lives Matter movement, 
And, you know, that's something maybe he can champion himself, start a movement to fight the uh, black-on-black crime. This is my second time on the air, and the reason we visit this later on, again, you know, I, I will monitor it and see what happens, what continues to happen. I'm, from the statistics, I can see what's going to continue to happen, but hopefully we can talk about it. There has to be a beginning to what we're going to do to try to turn things around. It's not going to be easy because systemically we wrestle against principalities in high places and low places. Sometimes we're fighting against ourselves because this is black-on-black crime. So I want to thank Queen Mother for Real Media for allowing me to host this show. I want to thank Crater for allowing me to be. I want to thank all listeners and callers. I know you weren't able to get through. I apologize for that. But I want to thank, I want to ask everybody to continue to tune in. We will revisit this subject again. And I will continue to monitor it and present it to our callers and listeners. Until then, I want to ask everyone to reach, reach out. Touch someone, teach someone. Try to change how that person thinks if they're thinking in a way that's detrimental to themselves and the community. Try. And that's all we can do is try to help somebody help themselves. If a person is able to help himself in that way, in his own thinking, he will be able to help somebody else in their thinking. And then we have to actually physically do something for people. You know, we have to try to work together in a community. You know, we can't just keep all the money once the rich blacks or, or you know, if somebody needs something, help them out. Don't be afraid to do that. Get out there on the street, talk to these people, see what their problem is, see what it is they would like, why they're out there, and how they feel they could be helped. And let's start this ball rolling and maybe it'll get a little bigger. But we got to start somewhere. I'm starting right here. I'm talking, and I know there were people who wanted to talk tonight, but they couldn't get through, and I apologize. And again, thank you for calling. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Verizon Wireless. The wireless customer you called is not available at this time. Please try your call again later. Announcement 1, switch 8-5. Welcome to Verizon Wireless. The wireless customer you called is not available at this time. Please try your call again later. Announcement 1, switch 8-5.